everyone. James Hilliard back with another Tech Experience podcast brought to you by Connection. For the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to dive into the headlines here as it relates to you and your companies securing the best technology gear for your employees in these very unpredictable times. On tap, how our team within the Technology Integration Distribution Center, fondly referred to as our TIDC, is helping organizations just like yours navigate through the ongoing challenges of COVID, the challenges and changing labor market, as well as the supply chain constraints that are impacting companies worldwide, including yours. For this Tech Experience podcast, joined by John Milburn, the Senior Director of TIDC Operations. Also here, the VP of the TIDC, it's Stephen Crothers with us. Intro is done. Let's get into the conversation. All right, and with that, Stephen, I'm going to turn to you and we really kick things off here. We got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to start with customer demand because that's something that we have been observing. We've seen the change in how customers really look to procure equipment and get equipment into their end users' hands and all. Um, I can imagine not only today compared to five years ago, but probably today compared to 18 months ago is a big change. What are the biggest changes in customer demand that you've seen over the last several years? We've seen right now in the last five years, we've seen about a 25% year over year growth in our customer demand. And, and what we're also seeing a lot of right now in the last couple of years is the growth in our repeat business. So a lot of customers now are starting to do, you know, they're, they're going through their rollouts, they're going through their, their life cycle. Um, they're starting to do more of the, the um, deployment strategies with large rollouts um, to their customers. So we have seen a shift in that landscape the past few years. And just recently, you know, James, with the, with the remote, you know, youth workers from home, working from home, the remote access, we've seen a shift in the mix of provisioning efforts that we're seeing through our lab. If I can give you just a little bit of example, in the previous post uh, or pre-COVID, you know, we would deploy thousands of units to a one location. That location would deploy those assets all over that, that location. Now we're doing those same thousand units, James, but now we are each one of those are going to an individual user. So we're just we're 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 logistically sending those out to a thousand different end users. So that complexity has built up on our production lines. Um, so you know what was easy to build inventory, drop ship against, now is building real time inventory where it's it's user specific that we're um, deploying our strategy to. Well, and what it, it sounds like, too, is is the idea that y- y'all are looking like a, an Amazon or something, right? right? It's all these individual right. feeling orders coming in. Yeah, one procurement person may put it in from a company, but saying, oh, yeah, by the way, Stephen and team, can you put 400 different addresses out here? Yes. Yes. And 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 we do, and in, in, in this Amazon effect has, has happened in so many aspects of our lives. Um, I ordered a latte. Hey, where's my latte? Right. Um, people want it now and they yeah. want it yesterday as well and and that's a different mode of consuming business technology because in the past i knew if my boss said i'm getting you a new laptop james i said cool i'll see it in two three four weeks right right that doesn't probably cut it these days the demand from customers is i want it yesterday isn't it yes you're exactly right that demand has put some challenge on us in our operations so think about the amazon effect you know amazon does what they do so well because they store anything from a to z 
strategically throughout the U.S. and they can deploy that strategy fairly quickly um, in, in 24 to 48 hours. Now, if we were going to do that from a pick, pack and ship perspective, James, we can compete with the Amazons mm-hmm. of the world. We can drop ship out of our warehouse, you know, and anywhere, you know, coast to coast. And we can do that where it adds the challenge that James is what you just said. It's the customized end user experience where that customer, that end user that's sitting remotely wants that new laptop is onboarding, we have to provision, manufacture, subassemble that unit and deploy that back out same day. You know, there's not many manufacturing companies out there, James, that would do that type of business model, right? That's almost same day manufacture, distribute, logistic to the end user. That has added some challenge, but that has become our differentiator. Um, but as volume increases, as the demand puts on top of the TIDC, those become challenging to continue streamlining that type of business through your through your organization. Well, John, let me ask you this in terms of we've laid out, hey, folks, there's a challenge out there, but that's our challenge. That was right. something that we, your TIDC group connection, had to adjust to without going super into the, the weeds, John. What were a few of the things that we did do to be able to understand and address this change in customer demand and really kind of this year knock it out of the park? A lot of the things that we're doing in the TIDC, uh, we're doing a project called Full Potential, and Steve, I'm sure Steve will uh, chime in on this as well, where we've started to add more infrastructure in to meet the, the large volume coming in. We're onboarding more staff as we work with different recruiters to bring people up and give us more of that employee base that we can utilize more of our warehouse space and our lab space. James, let me, let me all talk of that to a minute. So full potential, James, is a huge undertaking. It's about a million dollar investment that Connection made into the TIDC from not mm-hmm. only from an infrastructure, doubling our capacity in the lab. It was also adding a new infrastructure around hardware and software that gives us better provisioning rates, better um, bandwidth in our, in our integration center. But what, what John is alluding to on this expansion model, it's giving us the flexibility to be more mm-hmm. nimble in that manufacturing approach. Before, when we were 50% less, you know, our, our ability to flex with the given volumes was tight, right? We didn't have much wiggle room. Now with this expansion, that day-to-day business that's imper- in, in, imperative for us to meet tight SLAs, it gives John the bandwidth to absorb that type of churn in our business. Right. And this full potential, which will go live here in December, um, will be a huge undertaking for not only for our customers, but for us to meet those tight SLA windows. All right, guys. So we've talked about some customer demand, a challenge that we saw that we've addressed. Let's talk about some other challenges out there that are impacting us. It's impacting everyone out there. And and this goes to really ripped right from the headlines. And there is some fear. There's some uncertainty there in the marketplace. And one of the reasons we want to have this conversation and, and share this with our audience is that we've got a little hope to share because there are some challenges out there, but we're able to work with teams and overcome some of those. So we'll break down uh, COVID and related type interruptions that we may see in the future. We'll get into the labor shortage out there. We'll wrap up with some commentary around the current supply chain issues that we're seeing. Let's go back to specifically COVID. And and Steve, obviously, that just rocked everybody. How are you feeling in terms of our uh, response to recovering where we stand now, still dealing with some of the issues that were brought up because of the work disruption that COVID brought upon all of us 18 plus months ago? 
No, great, great question, James. We, we've done a lot coming out of the 18 months of when, when we went live as an essential part of COVID and, and our ability to stay essential, to build our protocols inside of our DNA with social distancing, with fever testing, with um, everything around mask mandates, cleaning mandates. You know, we stayed very aggressive in that to mitigate or offset any labor issues that we would have with that. Um, that became very much of a, a of a safety onboarding protocol that we've embedded in our operations. We've engineered that into our production environment. So coming out of COVID, when we started pulling off the mask mandate, we, we started, we stayed with social distancing, but then we had this resurgent of um, the Delta variant. So it was very easy for us to notice, to see that happening in our environment. We turned on the protocols almost immediately we went back to mask mandate we went back to social distancing we went back to getting everybody out of the conference rooms and where we took this a step further that we're really excited about is we created a hybrid workforce within the operation platform so karen lovely who is our cx manager john um, both worked in tangent with our corporate it to do a rapid deployment out of our mission critical customers i mean mission critical employees around the customer experience account um, um, coordinators as well as our key schedulers in the operation we deployed them remotely we set access at you know at, at excuse me, set assets out to them to be deployed. Mm -hmm. And we were able to get them online within a couple of days because we did see an outbreak in our office personnel, usually in an operation environment, that's not conducive for having that infrastructure built out to put people remote. We were able to do that and maintain right. consistency within our operations. And John, ultimately, what does that mean then to our customers out there that rely on connection, rely on your TIDC team to get gear into their end user hands? And I, I think what it does from my perspective, it, it really puts us in, in a better position to make sure we're meeting those demands of the customer because we've thought ahead and, and said, okay, these are key roles. And if they're not there, everything comes to a halt. So I think we made the right decisions to, uh, to be able to push them remotely. When we see a threat maybe breaking out in an office area, it gives us more coverage uh, for our customers' demand. And now this is something we can grow on, whether there are other variants, whether there are other disruptions that come down the line. Sounds like right that that restructuring has gotten you in a place where you can be there uh, to be that support for, for the ultimate end users and, and customers out there. Let's talk a little bit about labor. And and I think we'll have a, a fair amount of time here to touch on that because uh, there are a couple sides to, to labor, John. One, there's just obviously uh, we've got a different type of workforce. And so people have been looking for different type of gear. We used to just buy for the office and we knew what we were buying all the time. Our customers knew what they were buying. Things have changed there. Um, and and there has been a, a, a change there in, in just the labor force. Just talk about that for a moment, just your observations and what you've seen out there over the last several months mobility really the remote work like we alluded to is is what we're seeing uh, people are at asking for more things more services more of that like steve it's alluded to more of that customer end user experience and now it's becoming more and more tailor-made to that remote worker Maybe this person wants this flavor of a system. This one has this flavor of system. So we've been actually putting things into place in our TIDC to be able to meet that demand as Steve had alluded to. 
Shifting gears a little bit, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was uh, the labor shortage. And we see a lot of organizations out there for many reasons did have a labor shortage. And some of it was just general attrition, right? People saying, you know, I was going to retire a year ago, COVID time, you know, it's a good time. Just call it now and and move on to that next thing. There were some other programs that impacted uh, where people and when people were working. Um, What impact, Stephen, did you really see and hear from our customers that the labor shortage was having on them and their needs for technology and gear yeah you know we did we we heard it john mentioned a little bit about what we're seeing with remote users i think the challenge of getting gear deployed so quickly out when companies were pushing their employees out was a challenge but we're also seeing i I, i've been hearing from our customers especially new customers that want to do business with us is that they have been impacted in their own it umbrella right they don't have the bandwidth nor do they have the resources to do what we can deploy fairly quickly and and abruptly out anywhere within the US within a you know one to two three day window um, they really want that service because they are being challenged in getting that gear out to their staffs out in the workforce especially with the challenges that you talked about James the competition out there uh, you know whatever value add that you can bring to that end user especially during your onboarding process if it's if it's getting equipment there within a day or two that may be the game changer that keeps somebody onboarding at the customer at our customer's location right? John, given that we've heard from customers that say, hey, we don't have a lot of the IT staff that we used to have where we might do some of the configuration. We might uh, look at some laser engraving on site instead of using, you know, uh, an outside org. What are some of the top things, again, tied to the labor shortage, John, that you saw people requesting of us to kind of take over and help on some of that heavy lift that maybe they weren't utilizing, you know, two years ago? I think you made a good point. The etching is something that certainly has gone up. We've seen that. And Steve and I have reached out to a local uh, manufacturer of etching equipment and looking at procuring something that will take us to the next level. Uh, So that's something definitely we've seen an uptick in. And we've also started to see an uptick in our fab process, first article build processes, where we're actually working with those customers to come up with some new solutions to them, out of the box solutions with them. So we're definitely seeing an uptick where they want to explore new ideas and new solutions with our architects. Stephen, I know in the past we had been working with some customers to even try and, uh, you know, get material to be stored, gear stored kind of on site at their location. So if something went down, their employees could kind of go to a locker, open up, get a new machine and boom, off and running. But but I'm assuming there's been a change there because we aren't all in those four walls of the office anymore. And so can you talk about the impact that, again, the the labor shortage and or just where labor was found over the last several years? How has that impacted some of the things that we've been doing with customers? Yeah, we, we have seen a shift in that. So we are we we are not seeing large deployments of inventory or gear to locations like you just said, James. We are really seeing that being deployed through our facility out to the end user. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the labor, the, not the labor, but the um, supply chain constraints. But we are seeing more of our customers, James, really using us as the inventory depository for them to build off of. So they're using us as their storage hub now 
to maintain that gear for them in the participation that they'll be onboarding new customers in the future, that that gear will be available and ready to be deployed. So we're seeing a lot of that change in inventory positioning for our customers. And and let me ask you this, obviously, if, if the older model was they were trying to store some things on site, now we're doing it. Do they have a way through the TIDC to kind of get inside as to what inventory is there? What is kind of off the rack that they can just say, hey, yo, we need that now. What kind of offerings do we have around that? Yeah, so E1, E1 has allowed us now to start looking at inventory in real time. A lot of our customers, James, that's one of the main things they're asking us for is visibility into their inventory. Where is it at? Almost like a pizza tracker, right? It showed up at the facility. It's in the inventory. It's being positioned or provisioned. Now it's being shipped. They want that real-time inventory. So E1 team, we have worked collaboratively collaboratively with them around the whole strategy of reporting. We're showing visibility. We have that customer facing ability to go into their, you know, have them go back into our systems, see that inventory in live, you know, real time. And, and that's been, that's been a key for us as a selling point as we're onboarding, they want that visibility. Well, and that ties a little bit back to that Amazon effect as well. We expect that when we order anything. Where is it? Why don't yeah. I have it yesterday? Right. That's just where we we find ourselves as consumers, and we've you know we've pulled that into yeah. our our business environment. Um, John, anything else on the labor shortage out there? Uh, do you see it? Uh, you know, I've seen numbers out there reported that some of those labor numbers are coming back. We've got you know not full employment by any means, but we're getting more of that. Is that easing up any of our, uh, you know, the demand that we've had from some of our customers? I, I, I think so. Uh, speaking with a lot of our recruiters uh, lately around what are they seeing out there in the labor market, and they're starting to see people come back. It's at the beginning of the year. We're going into the holidays, and typically around recruiting, you see people that take those holiday times to look for other opportunities, and that's out there in the market. There's more dollars to be made. Uh, we see it everywhere in the news. Uh, so I think those are some of the things we're starting to see those signs where people are starting to look for other jobs. Uh, they're also talking around things where these individual states uh, have started to uh, slow down on the um, incentives to stay home. So we're seeing a lot of people starting to come back into the job market, which is nice. Uh, speaking to the recruiters, they've also alluded to it's more of the demographic around the middle age type of employee where they have families at home as opposed to younger generation that's out there that has been more uh, stuck at the house taking advantage of, of things such as health care or child care and stuff of that nature. So we're starting to see a, a surgeon coming back. And before we then move to some of the supply chain issues out there, Stephen, any thoughts, any direction to folks listening realize that we might have more of those people coming back into the labor force. It may be more of those knowledge type workers again, because we saw those that had to be at a location to actually manufacture a thing or take care of an individual healthcare. Those people have been back and they've been on site for a good long time, but those that maybe took a little time off and are coming back. Is there something that you feel organizations should be planning for in the early part of 2022 so that they can make sure they get the right gear they need as more people do rejoin the workforce. Yeah, I think it's I think it's understanding what that hybrid model looks like now. If it's if it's going to be a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a a shared Wednesday environment, um, you know, how do you do 
optimize their gear? Do you look at shared um, office space? Do you look at shared resources? What is that? But you have to have that demand ready and you have to be able to deploy those. So maybe as they start onboarding James more people, we, we would start to see an increase in maybe sending more gear to a to an, a, a location that's being onboarded with, with bringing people back to work, right? So yeah, that's something that you people have to be proactively looking for and, and making sure they plan around that. With that, let's get into the last kind of bucket topic here that we wanted to touch here, guys. It's supply chain constraints. And look, we were hearing about them 18 months ago. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you a little story, Steve, and then for, for the team out there. Um, you know, I do a lot of webcasts and I'm on a video camera. I've been working for home for 15 years. I had to trust the old webcam for a good eight years. And guess what happened? Like two weeks into the lockdown, my webcam goes out. So I'm like, all right, let me go get my trusted new. Let me reach out to my... I can't get anything. I did get something. I have no idea what brand it was. I have no idea where it was manufactured. I can tell you it was great for two weeks and then it was junk. Luckily, I have some connections at Connection. And yeah. so I was able to get myself a, uh, a webcam and continue doing what I'm doing. But there were so there were supply chain issues early on. They kind of evaded a little bit. We started getting stuff and then a whole lot of things. We've got, we see all the pictures, the ships parked outside. I'm in California, right? Yeah. So Long Beach and LA ports and everything. What's your kind of state of the union as we're in here in Q4, Stephen? Where do we sit with supply chain constraints? Do you see and have any thoughts on when that might ease? for companies and and ultimately in a few minutes folks we'll make sure that steve and john both talk about what do you do as customers then to prepare for potential ongoing disruptions but state of the union where are we now steve where might it kind of ease up yeah you know we're still we're still seeing the 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 demand right we have a huge backlog still um waiting on inventory to 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 arrive at the tidc um so so there's a couple things there you know, there's, we're seeing an increase in, we talked about a little bit about the inventory position that our customers are having. So, so maybe typically they would, their ordering pattern would be within a 30 day turn, right? Their inventories. Now they're carrying three months, six months worth of that inventory. So they have that planning. So, so they're increasing that, that piece of their procurement side of the house. Um, and then, then the real challenge that we're seeing, James, is when inventory does arrive, imagine a customer that has been waiting for inventory for X, just like you were waiting for your, your camera. You know, imagine if you, when that inventory hit that day to fulfill your order, you went to the back of the line because we had orders already stacked in front of you, right? So we are having to expedite and, and, and create a fast pass lane through our receiving to get inventory, first off, put up in the racks to allocate quickly and effectively. And then we need to drop those orders in a way that we clear that backlog as quickly as possible to create that, you know, to help our customers from having to sustain the pain of this supply chain that they're feeling. John, when you're having some conversations and you're hearing back from customers, what are they saying are their biggest worries about the supply chain? Is it, is it truly just timing saying, man, I need the gear yesterday and when am I going to get it and am I going to get it yet? And can you give me an update? I mean, what, what is the kind of big worry pain point that you hear from customers? I think it is that just that. And I think the media certainly pay, plays into that, you know, this, this ships out out in the ocean. Everyone sees that. So I think that builds a level of angst where the customers are trying to make sure they're meeting their projects. So they're wanting to get their orders in first, fast, and and immediately as they possibly can. Are we able to provide guidance, Stephen, to teams as well? Here's a scenario. Let me just kind of lay it out here. Let's say I'm a customer. 
I see the news. I hear some folks saying, hey, you know, usually you might carry like a, a month's worth of inventory, but now you might have to have six months of webcams or laptops or whatever. Um, obviously, at some point, things might clear up so do are we able to work with teams to say look i know you're asking for eight months but we really guide towards three months or how are your teams out there working with customers to find the sweet spot for them so they're not just kind of doing a, a panic buy type thing that's a great point. We, you know, we're working closely with procurement, Roger DiBiasio's team, just around that, right? So there's been multiple customer calls that we, we get on weekly, um, James, that, you know, customers are asking us, what are our run rates? Where are our mid and max levels of our inventory? Where, where do we need to be protected? And then that's where procurement really comes in and they add a lot of value on explaining their buying power, their, 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 um, on the key assets or, or commodities where they're at in their in the lead times and, and be able to help mitigate that that customer that first initial customer buy right so they're not buying six months just to be protected and then have three months of buyback you know they are really trying to manage this on a on a weekly monthly quarterly basis with these customers to help protect their best interests as well but also it helps us save ourselves from i mean procuring all this inventory and have an obsolescence build up inside our four walls without having strategy, you know, strategy and discipline and rigor around it. What about also, again, kind of on the, um, on the supply chain, I can, so I'll go back to my webcam. We're just going to keep this theme going here. It's working for us. Um, there was a brand that I have used forever. I love them. I love the software. I love how I look on the camera and they're my, they're my go-to. I couldn't get that at the beginning, luckily was able to get what I needed. I can imagine you've got customers coming, John, and they're saying, hey, I want X brand. And you're like, yeah, not, not gonna happen, sorry. But here are the alternatives. Is, is that kind of what you find a lot on the operations side, John, you're having to do is really work with teams and introduce them to other alternatives and opportunities that we have? Yeah, yeah like I was saying earlier, the fab process is where they're coming to us and looking for those different out of the box solutions. So. X isn't available. What about Y? And these customers are going, well, this Y has never been in our environment before, has not been in our portfolio before. So we're seeing an uptick in our fabs with our architects being able to solution new devices, just as you're speaking of. When's this all end, Stephen? From what I've been talking to the experts, especially on the transportation side, we have to talk closely with, they're saying that this is going to be out through 2022. So what do we as uh, buyers, consumers of technology for our organizations? What are top two or three things you want people keeping on their mind through the end of Q4 into the beginning of 2022? What are some things in conversations that they need to keep having so they can stay ahead and not get caught up and uh, you know lacking certain resources? Yeah, one has to be around demand planning and forecasting. You know, technology is definitely hard enough to forecast, but we have to do better at helping our customers envision or, or help project the trajectory of where their hardware, software applications are going to go and, and help them the foresight to either buy ahead if the lead times are tight or get enough of the inventory on stock to meet that demand. Um, that's one of the challenges. Um, two would be, you know, how, how fast once we get it in, can we deploy those strategies? You know, we have huge uh, opportunities on large rollouts where we're waiting for the whole deployment of the inventory to come in. Can customers be more 
elusive to, you know, a hybrid model? Do we do inventory as it comes in and ship partial and not wait for full? There's some strategies that we need to look at if demand's going to continue to be an issue. Customers aren't going to be able to afford to keep a backlog going. We're going to have to come up with some hybrid solution to help get that deployment out. It's almost like don't have to sacrifice good for better, right? It's the 80-20 rule, right? Let's try to get some of that out there better than nothing. Um, so that might be ways that we have to work through procurement, invoicing, E1, order fulfillment, order management, whatever it may be. But we need to be uh, a more um, customizable for our customers to help them with that demand. John, there had been a, a chip shortage. It was impacting, this is going outside of tech a little bit, but impacting uh, vehicle manufacturing. It was impacting servers and, and laptops as, as well. Um, my question to you, John, is there anything that you're keeping in view on the horizon that you're thinking, hmm, could be early part of 2022, maybe mid, there could be a shortage of X technology is there anything that that you're keeping your eye on that maybe others should keep their eye on too of something that could start getting tight i would look at the networking gear that would that we have that are that's in the pipeline as well because they're coming from different sources around the world and i think the supply chain is going to have that type of impact on on those particular devices uh, we are seeing some key customers try to uptick and i think that's in preparation of maybe some some uh, disruption there in that uh, technology segment. And Stephen, anything on yep. your radar where you might be advising to people, hey, if you've got a, you know, like John right there, if it's a networking, maybe they scoot up their networking project a little bit on time frame. Is there anything on your radar, supply chain related, that you're like, maybe scoot it up a bit? Low cost commodity items, you probably want to order in those quicker, right? Um, mm -hmm. They're higher demand. They're lower. They're lower from a cost point. Um, they move quick. So if if you're looking at those type of large strategy deployments, a lot of companies, James, are going to those for remote users. It's just inexpensive, right? It's easier. It's cheaper um, than providing a high output laptop or whatever it may be. But um, so you, you may want to look at getting procurement to to pull in some some capital expense earlier in in Q2 Q Q1 of 2022. And again, it could be more competition for yes. organizations yes. that are trying to get their hands on that gear. And, yeah. and again, yeah. lower, lower costs. We can say that's, that's why right. I got that camera that I got. It was really, that's, really cheap. Really cheap, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it showed its cheapness when it got uh, in my studio. Yeah. Guys, a lot to go over. I do appreciate the conversation. My takeaways here, yes, we've still got some challenges. We're rebounding from some of the labor issues. We're rebounding from some COVID issues as well. Supply chain does seem like it's going to be lingering but what i'm hearing is you guys are on top of it you're listening to where your customers are at you're talking to those in the industry so you're doing that and the other thing i got which i really do appreciate early on was the insight and some of the changes we've made a connection and to the tidc so that we can make sure that we really can do what the tidc uh really the namesake is it's the technology integration and distribution center. And so right. our teams are integrating the right technology for customers out there, distributing it now, not just to that main loading dock in the back of uh, X building, but right. getting it out to all the individual users that you have, all these remote hybrid workers. So a lot of changes. We're going to continue to evolve and grow. Appreciate the efforts that Stephen and John have been putting out there for our customers. Folks, for you, if you do have and want to get more information, got a couple of things that I'm going to encourage you to do. First off, 
hopefully you already have a great rep here at Connection. Stay in touch with that rep and continue to talk to them. If you know you've got projects, you've got procurement needs coming up, reach out to them. They're going to work with you. They'll you know, move in the team from the TIDC as needed to those conversations, really find out what you need and, and work with you to get, get, you, get you going forward, continuing to move forward. Also, I want to point you online to connection.com forward slash TIDC. And when you get over there, all things about our technology integration and distribution center are available. There are a couple of videos there that you can watch. There are also links to other conversations, podcasts, things like that, that are kind of related in topic areas. So you can check out that as well. Uh, last thing I'm going to do is thank all of you for listening to this Tech Experience podcast. We do appreciate you being with us. As always, like, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. With that, we're going to wrap things up. My thanks again to Stephen and to John. Best to all of you, and we do look forward to talking to y'all down the road.